Quite the Thing Media, we aim to bring you the best podcasts produced by independent creators, made without constraints. Hello everyone, welcome back to What a Maneuver here. Uh, myself, Simon, and I've got Kev with me as per usual. Uh, doing a really special topic uh, for myself tonight. Kev, maybe not so much, but... Um, We've been looking forward to this one for the last couple of weeks when, when Kev, he was the one that actually first approached us to do this topic. So tonight we're going to be discussing the top moments of Brett the Hitman Hart. One of the, well, the best of us, the best of us, the best of ever will be, in my opinion. Um, he still is a hero to me, even to this day, just everything he's came through in his life. Um, I, I just won't have a bad word said against him. Um, <laughs> Frank, he's outstanding just in every way of life. He's the best wrestler I've seen in my lifetime. Um, uh, Kev, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Obviously, we've been a big Shawn Michaels fan, but no, I'm really looking forward to this show tonight. Mate, um, I I love Bret Hart as well. I, I like to review because Bret Hart fans are people like AEW fans that if you say anything bad against them, they all crowd together and they all get really, really upset and they kind of take it very well. But now, Bret's definitely my top five wrestlers of all time. He's if we're being honest, he's maybe never ever been the best promo. I think no. the promos came on ninety seven. He, he was a wee bit late in getting the promos and Brett's admitted that himself, which is which is fine. Um not everybody needs to be a good promo. Not every wrestler needs to be a good worker, but it, sometimes it just works and we decided to sort of do this and we could have done lists, we could have done other options, but we thought we will each pick three moments, whether that be interviews, whether it be angles, whether it be storylines from a certain wrestler's career, and we'll discuss them. Uh, obviously, with Brett being Brett, and as I say, the promos weren't his strong suit. The angles, he certainly was involved in a good couple of angles, one that perhaps we'll touch on later, but I think the most of these are going to be the matches, and the first one that I picked was quite good, actually, John, we, we never picked the same. We, we picked three each, and we never picked a, a doubler, which was Actually quite shocking, but probably more of a compliment to Brett in itself because he's had that many great matches and that many great moments throughout his career. And the first one I picked was uh, SummerSlam 91 for the IC title versus Mr. Perfect. Yeah, no, that's, that's one of my all-time favourite ones. Well, and that's really the match that, that really broke him out as a, the single star. Um, he'd been obviously the tag team wrestler before then uh, with Jim Neidhart and Jimmy Hart at their side really before they, they turned into a babyface tag team. But... No, I was just talking last week as well. That was his 64th birthday the other week there, and it just shows how either how old we're getting or just how how long ago this was. It just feels like yesterday to, to guys like us watching all these matches. I mean, this one, I, I, can, I can vaguely remember it. I mean, I was only a young boy at the time for SummerSlam 91. I'd have been just going on seven years old. So, no, it's, it's Madison Square Garden. It's one of the... The, the, the breakout matches as you say and it's just an absolute masterclass of wrestling um, throughout it's I mean I, in 1981 I just started watching wrestling I got a tape of the Royal Rumble and it was sort of intertwined with half of a neighbours episode so it was cutting <laughs> in and out right um, one of the first guys that was in the Rumble at one point was Brett and he's this cool look he, he wore pink not many men back then were wearing pink. Not many wrestlers were wearing pink. Uh, yeah. And it worked for them. And I don't know about you, say, but I never had Sky TV or anything back then. 
I know Sky was just coming on at the scene. Yeah. So to me, getting wrestling to watch wrestling, it was buying a VHS tape, mm-hmm. buying a video. Uh, and now I bought these in no particular order. I had absolutely no idea when certain things took place. I was only, what would I have been, 10 years old. Uh, we didn't have the internet to sort of look up who wrestled who, and we didn't have the luxury of dirt sheets to see how many stars certain matches got, but I would just pick up random tapes, and if my mum was in a good mood that day, she would buy me one. And I remember I had SummerSlam 90 and a SummerSlam 91, both featuring Mr. Perfect defending <laughs> the IC title. Yep. 1990 was against the Texas Tornado, but this match is against Brett, who, like you say, is just this is the beginning of his push, and anyone that's a, a long-term wrestling fan knows that the the old way that you used to do it would be you would join as a, a lower card, mid card guy, you would join as a tag, and then you would be sort of pushed up the card, and the IC belt was more or less a step on the way to the to the world title. It was yeah. a workers belt. Your, your world title was fully your guys like your Hogan's, guys like your Warriors. Guys that were not the greatest technicians, but they had size, and most of the time they were roided up to hell. But at drop level, the IC belt, you had your workers, you had your tornadoes, you had Bret Hart, you had Mr. Perfect, and well, even the honky don't mind, but I don't know if we can really put him in that category, mate. No, I mean, that's um, just looking back over it. That whole time being a wrestling fan... As you said, you were buying the stuff out of the video shops. And that's, that, that's a, obviously video shops are a, a long thing of the past now. But we don't really see them here in Britain especially. But that was always a buzz for me. Going in on a Friday night or a Saturday with my, my dad or my gran or somebody. They would take me in and you'd hire out the, the latest wrestling DVD, uh, DVD video at the time. And even though it was, you'd be about six, seven months behind sometimes on, on the stuff that they would um, bring out over here. But it was just electric. I mean, for me as a young kid, seeing Bret Hart, Madison Square Garden, even then you knew that that was the sort of mecca of, of pro wrestling. That's where WWE's home was. Um, but it's just, the, I mean, Kurt Hennig is just another, one of the all-time greats. and It just made Bret Hart that night, just put him over so well. And at any time that they had a match going down the line in the future, it was always a classic. I mean, they had another one at King of the Ring 1993 that's pretty undervalued as well. They went roughly about 20 minutes that day. Um, and it was, again, a masterclass in how to put someone over. And the two of them just had such great respect for each other. Bret Hart, that's he always says that he's one of his greatest opponents of all time. And it's, it's one of those things where perfect... He was... He was selfless in that respect where he, he would always put someone else over if he felt it was good for the business I mean he's arguably one of the ones that should have held the world title um, when he didn't this would have been a good see a year later if this would have been perfect still as a heel down the line this would have been a good time to get Brett into the world picture uh, with perfect if the two of them had a world title feud because Hogan was gone at that time in mid 92 this would have been a good time for that new generation sort of thing it was just a shame we didn't really get to see that happen. The thing is, it's Brett doesn't beat a nobody for this IC title this night. He beats Mr. Perfect, who although, like you say, he never had the world title run, he was considered one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. Now, we know now that he was hindered by a back injury, and I think that would put him out for, would you say, was it 90? Three he came back at the Survivor Series? Uh, 90, 92, yeah. I mean, it was just one of those things where, I don't know what happened. It just... 
it must have been an accumulation of injuries. I mean, he was constant for about three or four years, and then it just kind of seemed to disappear. And he was in that Ric Flair manager role, which he was excellent at as well, but it just seemed they'd unfinished business. And it was still surprising at the time to see him come back because it was out of nowhere. There was Ultimate Warrior was fired again um, just before the Survivor Series, so supposed to team with Savage. Um, perfect stepped in as a replacement, and then really that's that was his, his sort of run over ninety two to late ninety three, and again he kind of he faded away thereafter. And I think injuries just that they were playing their toll on him that whole time. I mean, he came back as a, a special ref at WrestleMania ten, and then he was back on commentary duty and stuff. So it was kind of stop start stop start, and I think there was a lot of was it that Lloyd's of London he did insurance policy with them, the stuff wasn't paying out. This is just off the top of my head, so I can't really be sure if it's right or not. But um, that kind of held him back. Um, and I'd imagine he, he would have wanted to compete, but being constantly at the ring would have, would have hurt him. Um, but seeing Bret Hart in that position, he, he helped put him over, no doubt. And, and the thing is, right, I mean, I love Shawn Michaels, as you know, but Shawn never did a good match with Perfect. And that wasn't through try, lack of trying. That was just yeah. their sort of styles clashed. But Brett was good. Brett could be the aggressor and he, he could be the victim. And the, the match starts off and Brett out wrestles perfect. Perfect goes to chuck it, goes to walk away. The cowardly heel thing goes to walk up the aisle with coach. Brett chases him out the ring and rips half a single off him. Yep. And then they get back in the match. And just as Brett's in the corner putting his hands up like a good guy should, the referee's in between them and Perfect sucker punches him. <laughs> and then he's trying to tell the ref, I pushed him, I pushed him. And then he starts working on Brett's ribs and goes yeah. outside the ring. And it's the small details of Perfect. Mm-hmm. But they go outside the ring, Brett's lying on the ground, staring his ribs, and Perfect stands on him mm-hmm. to get into the ring. You know what I mean? It's it's just such a heel thing to do because you've got a guy down and you're standing on him. Um, and I say that, that the crowd this night, they really make it. They're, they're ready for Brett to take that step from being that wee cool guy in the tag team. Uh, yeah. that they were quite like, you know I mean? People like Brett. Um, but then, as I say, there was always sort of, not saying doubts, but I think there's a couple of stop-start pushes where it never really worked out. It never, whether that was the office, whether that was Brett or a mixture of both, we'll never ever really know. But they, they were ready here. They were, they were wanting someone else. They were wanting someone fresh. And I say they, they hated Mr. Perfect because he would cheat, because he would say he was perfect, because he was arrogant. Yeah. And he also had that mad manager, coach, who... Um, I really can't remember why. I think was did Heenan retire from managing about this time? Yeah, this was, was usually Yeah, he was only in it really for a less than a year or so with him. He was when Perfect came in originally he was he was himself and then they, they felt they'd give him that sort of backup and such, but you didn't really he didn't really need it. He was so good on the mic as well when he when he got to speak and that was rare back in those days as well. Guys like Perfect and Bret Hart, but the two of them, well, Perfect especially, he was he was always good on the, the mic there, so he didn't really need that backup. I think it was more just to to add to that that heat that, that he is a perfect man with a coach and stuff like that. So no, it's just the way, yeah, the way he worked. When you think about Perfect, you think, you think about Heenan, don't you? And yeah. the whole towel thing, Perfect yeah. throwing it up in the air and Bobby Heenan catching it. It's just uh, and like you say, in this match, he just got. Uh, he being perfect just gives Brett so much. Like, like he works over him and he, he's dominating him, he's dominating him, then he gives him the comeback and perfect back is knackered here. Yeah. It is really, really knackered and he still insists on submitting to the sharpshooter in the end and 
I think he submits very, very quickly because his back's in so much pain. And again, this is back when people, if you got injured, you were generally dropped down the card. Yeah. If you missed dates, you lost money. This is before your guaranteed contract. This is when you're offered, what is it, Vince used to say, uh, uh, what was it he said? He never guaranteed you money, he guaranteed you an opportunity or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's uh, right. Perfect, and a great worker. But still, if you start taking time off, the company's still relatively hot. I mean, it's not as hot as it was, say, in like 86, mm-hmm. 87, 88, yeah. but it's still quite hot. Um, perhaps just burn out a wee bit, but they're still making a lot, a lot of money. But perfect, he doesn't want to go off that train, and you can understand it. If you're making money hand over fist, why, why do you stop? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, this is his last match for, for like a year and a half up to that Survivor Series one. So it's it's a shame that obviously what happened to him, but this does catapult Brett onto the bigger stage. And, and you see him over the next couple of months, late 91, he's, he is that fighting champion. Um, he's either involved in like tag storylines for Survivor Series, but then he goes to, I think there's a house show or something, a couple of nights before... Is it the Royal Rumble? I think at ninety two, and he loses it to the Mountie. Um, I don't know if Brett had a an injury or anything at that time. I think there was something that had to get done quickly to get cleared up. Um, and he had the Royal Rumble off. I'm pretty sure if Piper won it, and then that was building up to the the, the big one at WrestleMania eight, which I think we'll talk about at some point yeah, as well tonight. Oh, may as well just go right on it now. That was the the story. I think it was Brett was negotiating with WCW at this point. Yeah, yeah for yeah. the first time. Um, I think he thought anyone that's ever listened to any pods will know that back then you had to give was it ninety days notice? Yeah. For, or your contract just rolled over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just watching before we started recording big uh, Kevin Nash on uh, Austin's Broken Skull Sessions, and that's what he said. It was when he left to go to WCW. He said, "I never said I'm leaving." What I said was, I'm giving you 90 days notice that I don't want my contract to auto-renew. Yeah. So let's just discuss it. And I think Brett had thought he had that same sort of gap towards the end of what 91 because he was, he knew how good he was. He, he knew he was, I think off the top of my head, who was about 91, but he's probably one of the best wrestlers technician-wise in there. Yeah. He was over with the fans. Uh, but he, he still seen that it was Land of the Giants and Anyone that watched wrestling about this time knew that WWF was Land of the Giants. They liked their big guys, whether it was Warrior, whether it was Hogan, whether it was somebody like the Bulldog, who was massive about this time, as in size-wise. Whether it was Warlord, whether it was Barbarian, they were all big, big guys. Now, not one of them could hold a, a candle to Brett in the ring, but he's thinking, at this point, am I going to ever get to the top here? not knowing what's coming around the corner with the whole steroid scandal thing. Yeah. Um, I'm a better going to WCW and trying my luck against like the Ric Flair's or like the uh, who else in WCW at this point, Sting, who although he was big, was never a huge, huge guy. Uh, who else did you have in WCW at this Either. point? Yeah. Yep. Cactus Jack was there. Yeah. Yep. Nice like Cactus that. Jack come in. Um, aye, so they had more and at this point WCW were still more wrestling. They, they went quite the sports entertainment that they were going to be. Uh, so I think Brett tried to negotiate that. So, But they still gave him the out. They, they gave him that was... Because I remember watching, whether it was Superstars or something that I watched at the time, remember the, the shows where you would get squash matches and then yeah. you sort of clips of what was happening. And they said Brett Hart's lost in a continental title. He lost it to the, the Mountie. 
Um, he wrestled with a fever of what was it, 108 or something like yeah. that. Give, sure. Giving him that out because, like, as a as a fan, right, as a ten year old child, you're like, there is no way the Mountie can beat Bret Hart. No. Um, there's no way, right? In your story, there's no way that the Mountie's beating Bret Hart. So then, Bret loses the belt, like you say, he's off telly for a, a, for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or whatever it was, and we get Roddy Piper goes in and beats the Mountie to win the title. They beat him in. Yeah, he beat him uh, at five minutes, didn't he? It wasn't anything. Aye. So, so like, we know that if Piper can uh, beat the Mountie, then Brett would have handled him easily had he been fully fit. Yeah. <laughs> to use a sort of old term. But it's it's weird because I do, when we were watching these, like you say, we watched a lot of these things not in order. So, mm-hmm. like, you could go from watching a video of... WrestleMania 3, Roddy Piper's retirement match or whatever it was, uh, to WrestleMania 1, where Roddy Piper was the most hated heel. But then you just, you believed what the commentators were telling you, and you just allowed yourself as a young guy. I think it's something that's maybe missing from wrestling today, where, right, okay, they're telling me he's a good guy now. I mean, yeah. two hours ago I watched a video that he was a, a dastardly heel and everybody was wanting to kill him, but now everybody's cheering him, so I'm just going to go along with it. And in many parts you miss big chunks of the story. But you wanted Piper to win, and Piper does win. Uh, yeah. Of course, that sets up the 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 babyface babyface clash at WrestleMania Eight with Roddy Roddy Piper and Bret the Hitman Hart. So that's one of the first times as a as a a kid that you were sort of stuck between who to cheer for. Yeah. The famous one, of course, is WrestleMania Six when you were either Hogan or you were Warrior. I mean, I think actually at that point I was probably a wee bit more towards the Warrior. Yeah. Not the same. Yeah. Just because it was sort of new, and he, he was upcoming, and everybody liked something new, and they like a fresh hero. But who were you cheering for at this point? Because obviously, Piper was doing that Scottish gimmick that yeah. he rocked for so many years. Although, as a as Scottish people, I don't think we knew anyone with an accent quite like Piper's. Did you know anyone in Scotland on the Piper? No, that's it. But I mean, that, I was still in Brett's corner. But as much as I liked Roddy Piper's sort of act at the time, it was, it was still good. But I mean, that, the whole, was it Portland he was born or was it Canada? I can't remember. Um, ah, it was Canada. But, I mean, they, it was, even the build-up promo, the pre-match promo uh, behind the scenes was, was good. Um, the two of them arguing, I think it was Ramin Jean, and how the two of them were saying they grew up they grew up learning from Stu Hart or something, I think Roddy said. It was just, it was actually quite well done because you wouldn't and know that they had... mom making the sandwiches, so only yeah. one bit of... Bologna or salami or something, but that was all right. Um, you wouldn't have that Yeah, ah, that's Because, I mean, we're, we're obviously watching this as people from the UK. We mm-hmm. only know Roddy Roddy Piper as the wrestler, and we're, right now we're watching a programme where we were told to cheer for Roddy Piper. So we're on board. People that have been watching wrestling for years would obviously have known about Stampede Wrestling and whatnot. At this point, we only know WWF. Very few people know... I mean, I can't really remember the first time I, I watched WCW. I think it was oh, maybe late, late 92. I've seen bits and bobs, but I'd not, I'd not watched it in any great detail. Somebody bought me a, a VHS for Christmas, and it, it, it didn't really take my fancy at the time. I mean, when I started watching it proper, it would have been about late 96, just after the NWO arrived. Um, obviously, I knew Hogan had jumped because... 
I mean, I took a year off watching WWF from about 95 to early 96. Um, I just didn't really like it. I didn't like the way it was going. Kevin Nash was on top. It just wasn't holding my interest anymore. I mean, I was, what, 11, 12 at the time, so it wasn't holding my interest. That sort of new direction they were going, and WCW was starting to come on its own. Obviously, we knew guys like Savage had jumped, Hogan had jumped in, in late 90, what was it, early 94, Hogan jumped across? Um, Bash at the Beach or something? It was a Bash at the Beach. So, uh, was that the first pay-per-view Bash at the Beach? Yeah, was I guess. Player, player. Or was it? Player, yeah. Um, it's for me, because I mean, I remember, and I've got family that stay up in Aberdeen, and I went up to my cousins one summer and he says, oh, we're going to watch the wrestling. And I'm like, all right, okay, well, that's fine. And he puts on this WCW thing with two rings and I'm like who are these people what is this what is happening here um, so it was obviously like was it Battle Brawl I don't even know what it was uh, Sting won it what yeah. was the event that we had the two rings it was before World of War 3 it wasn't that uh, what game Battle Brawl I don't even know what it was it might have been something like that um, but Sting won it I remember that and I was like this this isn't the way I'm used to because like I say there's a lot of guys that were skinnier maybe like pot belly guys and stuff like that who looking back now you know they're wonderful workers people like Bobby Eaton and stuff like that who absolutely tremendous but I'm used to the glitz and the glamour of WWF and everything being larger than life and there being a policeman and there being a uh, <laughs> what else an undertaker and stuff like that so I'm used to this to, to suddenly go and watch a slightly older WCW video where it takes you sort of out of the out of the moment, you're like, nah, this isn't as good. I thought it was like a sort of part, not quite a parody, but I yeah. knew it wasn't as good as what I'd been used to watching. Oh, and um, production production levels in the early what sort of nineties WCW is just non-existent. It's so bad, but I mean, it is the wrestling is good. I mean, that that was good, but the actual production values and stuff was was non-existent. And with Hogan's arrival across there, that obviously sent um, shockwaves through. Vince, I mean, he he was pretty disappointed, but and that that's when the the push to this new generation started and pushing Brett and obviously as it went. So, but, but I'll go back to the, the sort of the the, the WrestleMania eight match, kind of sidetracked there, but I mean that's just how much we love wrestling. But um, no, it's that match itself. I mean, for me, it had about everything. It had wrestling, it had the, the brawling. I mean, the brawling I felt was fantastic. I mean, it just the slugfest that descended in the blood as well. And you had the, the sort of emotional torture that Piper was going through, whether they take Bret Hart out with a ring bell. I mean, it, it was it was just a really well told match. And Brett wore the old pink. And anyone that's yeah. listened to a, a Jim Cornette podcast, that if you're going to bleed, if you're going to bleed a gusher, you wear light colours. And Brett did, and the blood was everywhere, and they got more sympathy on him. And, and like you say, it's a great match. It's Again, for us, I mean, I've never known Piper as a baddie, really, because mm. I'd only sort of watched stuff about 89 when Piper was away most of the time. So we don't know, I don't know how despised he was. So you must imagine that people there that have been watching for like 10 years are going, oh no, is Roddy going to go bad again? Because yeah. they knew how evil he could be. And like you say, he's got the option of hitting him with a ring bell. Uh, in the end, he doesn't, and it costs him the match, but. Uh, the, the other thing that made this match a classic for me was uh, the commentary of uh, Bobby Heenan. It was yeah. outstanding on this commentary. Uh, just one paper. Uh, Bobby Heenan probably, which I think, 91, 92 is his 
peak as a commentator. Yeah, outstanding. Him and Gorilla were fantastic. Even when, when Vince yeah. kind of came on with him, I mean, it, it just got the best out of everybody. Um, but no, him and Gorilla's dynamic was, was outstanding. And, I mean, you you look at Piper walking to the ring that night and he's got the serious face on and people would be used to Piper coming up smiling and stuff. But he was serious. He knew that this was going to be a, a, a tough match against one of the best wrestlers who probably shouldn't have lost the belt, if you're going storyline terms. He, he'd... He'd lost the belt, but he shouldn't have really competed. He yeah. wasn't fit enough to compete, but being the fighting champion that you said earlier, he was being that fighting champion. He was taking on all comers. He wasn't ducking anything. It's uh, He's lost the belt to, to someone lesser, but then, of course, Piper's come along and he's won it. So now you've got you've got the... And again, it's it's that thing where you've got two equals now because mm-hmm. you've got the, the wrestler that shouldn't have really lost the belt. I'm not saying that he was cheated out of it, but he shouldn't have lost it. And then you've got the guy that's the current champion. So you've got two fan favourites. Again, when you take that step back, Si, now we know Piper's winding down his career here. We know he's only got a couple of bigger matches left in him. I don't think he would ever do a full-time schedule again, would he? No, that that, that was him. I mean, he kind of done a year worth, maybe, in WCW, but... No, this was this was him. I mean, this was was this his last match? No, he had another match at the King well, of the Ring. Anyway, yeah, King uh, against Jerry Lawler. Yep, and then he had the Gold Dust match at Mania Twelve. Apart from that, there was there wasn't much. He'd done a few guest referee spots, but he was kind of he kind of faded out after after that. Um, that the Gold Dust match was kind of just done last minute, wasn't it? Because of the uh, Razor Ramon was ready to leave. Go to WCW. Didn't really want to work with Goldust either. But um, no, Piper. This is this is probably one of his finest moments in WWE. But he doesn't look. I mean, you look at these two guys squaring off, and it's not like remember when Ric Flair was wrestling in like what was it 2008 or whatever it was. He, he was an old man, right? He was a very very old man. But here, you even go back and watch it now. Piper doesn't look that old. Piper doesn't look as if oh he's he's going to chuck it any day now. I mean, he might have been hurting inside. He might have had a dodgy hit, but he still he looked the part. He was he was in good nick. And yeah. um, as I say, right now looking back, we now know that Roddy was winding down his career and would be very choosy and picky about what matches he worked from then on in. But mm-hmm. again, this is Brett going up the card. He's worked with Perfect, who yeah. has put him over on his way out that we thought, uh, and Piper's put him over on his more or less way out. Yeah. Again, we know he would come back for sporadic bits, but so this is these people are not doing it because they like Brett or because they think Brett's a a decent guy or whatever. They're doing this because they think he's the future of the business. They think he's the best in the business. And yeah. I don't think these two guys could be wrong because these two guys have been about business for years. They had seen the best. They had seen the worst. They had worked with the best, and they've worked with some absolute stinkers throughout their time. So. Uh, and especially Piper. Piper was notoriously yeah. picky about who he worked with. I mean, you, if you look over that sort of 91, 92, early 93 period, you look at the names that, that Brett fought and beat, like Ted DiBiase, Razor, Ric Flair for the title, Piper, Perfect, Shawn Michaels at the Survivor Series. So, I mean, these are all these are all big stars. I mean, Shawn was obviously breaking out at the time, so... He was pushing his way up the card. I think that was the Shawn Michaels was the IC title. That what the it wasn't title for title that match. Survival Series. The, the first Survival Series. Yeah. No, it was just 
it was for Brett's belt, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just for the world title. But I mean, that, that the caliber that shows the caliber that he was he was facing over those that year. I mean, it was it was outstanding, and he's been he's been put over by all of them. So he can't really he can't really complain too much. And, and Brett, I know he might see the way he was booked and stuff uh, getting into that sort of mid part of '93, where he felt that I think they felt that the natural thing was for him be Hogan at SummerSlam, but. It never ever happened, and I mean that that would have been the, the true the true star making moment if he got that win there. It's it is strange. It's he's working with good talent, but like Sean's on the way up, and if you go back a couple of years, you would have never ever got Hogan fighting Sean as IC belt. No, it just shows you like you say that the way they're moving, they're moving towards a an in ring based product. They're moving away from these sort of heavy uproided guys and the movement of workers so I mean that's my first two moments my, my last one will come a wee bit later on but I think it's if we're going chronologically uh, it's time for your first of the the evening your first the Bret Hart match pick yeah so kind of this storyline's got a whole a whole year's build to it obviously Bret Hart this moment I'm choosing is Bret Hart winning the title at WrestleMania 10 but as we know, the, this whole thing started really just after the Royal Rumble when Yokozuna won it. And then they had Brett lose the belt. Hogan, you know what happened there after with Hulk Hogan. Brett obviously felt overlooked as WWE kind of changed direction when we were Lex Luger um, during that next six to seven months after the uh, SummerSlam. So it was, it's kind of a strange period as well, but it's, it's probably one that vindicates Brett Hart's staying with the company and Bret Hart being the face of the company after this I feel because you've got Vince pushing Luger over the SummerSlam pay-per-view you've got him headlining the Survivor Series uh, pay-per-view with his All-American team um, against what was it what was the Yokozuna's team called the International so I can't remember there something uh, daft anyway something, uh, it was something very very generic USA versus the international bad guys. It was wrestling 101. Yeah. Like you said earlier, the product were just going, they went from telling great stories to really scraping the barrel. And this is where I do feel sort of sorry for Brett because Brett had to fight for every sort of good story he got. Like Hogan had a monster factory in the 80s. He had one guy, next guy, then the next guy. And every time they're he's just about to conquer a monster another one is just waiting in the wings for him which is what people love to see but when Brett became champion mm-hmm. and throughout his run on top he was always I mean, he fought a pirate over a jacket I mean would you have ever yeah. seen Hogan fighting but no, it's just no. nonsense and that's um, the thing where Brett compared to he took the, the role very serious I mean he when he was champion first time, he was travelling around the world, basically trying to put the company over, put himself over, and, and that's that's what made him so popular in like, Europe. Is better. I mean, he was massive. People don't realise how massive Bret Hart was in Europe and Britain, Germany especially. He was arguably bigger than Hulk Hogan in Europe, and um, during that time, anyway. I mean, the fans were just they, they loved Bret Hart. Everything about him was. It was new, it was something relatable. Do you know what I mean? He was uh, he was sort of a working man, like every man type character. He wasn't the in your face superhero like Hogan was. I mean and that's how fans I'd, I'd imagine felt let down that Brett more than anything was let down that Vince overlooked him for in favour of Alex Luger. But to be honest with Vince 
obviously realised the error of his ways pretty quickly. So moving into WrestleMania 10, we know what happens with the, the Royal Rumble. They've got the joint winners between Lex and um, uh, Brett. And they'll, they'll face Yokozuna over two matches in the same night. Brett obviously faces own in the first match. And, and it's another all-time classic. I mean, that, that, that nearly made my list. And it just didn't because Brett didn't win. <laughs> so if, if I'm sure if Brett won it, it would probably made it. But Do you know, she, she is a wee guy. I never used to watch matches where, where my favourite lost. Yeah. <laughs> we skipped the whole. I mean, uh, uh, that's how that's how it was a pretty much a shock. I mean, it was a great twenty minute match to start a pay per view, and it's as it's still t- I still see it's one of the all time greatest WrestleMania openers. Maybe that and the Daniel Bryan and Triple H at WrestleMania 30, but. You'll be hard pressed to find a, an opening match as good as this at WrestleMania ever and ever again. I'd probably say because it's it still stands the test of time today. It's, if anybody wants to be a wrestler, a young kid watch watch that match and just see two absolute pros going at it, and it's it's just so well done. I mean, and the, it's a clean win for Owen as well, and it, it sets him up for obviously another moment that's going to come down the line here, but. That this night it's, it's all about Brett. He, he loses the first match, and then you get the Yokozuna v Lex Luger, and you think that oh Lex Luger will win, and then that will set him up to take on and then beat Brett later on the night. But it doesn't work like that. It, Yoko, I think it's a DQ for Lex Luger. I think Yokozuna hits the missile if it does something. I'm not too sure how that one goes, but um, the the main event itself. I mean Yokozuna, the undefeated monster. He, he'd not lost a match clean, I mean, and Roddy Piper, this is what we're talking about, he's back for this one, so it all comes full circle um, again for Brett Devan, put him over uh, two years previous, he's back here to help get the, the count and the pinfall as well, and it's not the, the best of matches to watch, it lasts maybe less than ten minutes, but again it's a it's a good storyline, you've got all the outside interference with Jim Cornette, you've got Mr Fuji and you've got Roddy Piper making the count uh, towards the end after Yoko falls off, and it's it's the first loss he gets, and it's that moment where all the wrestlers surround the ring. You get the Razor Ramon, Macho Man comes in, and then Vince comes in at the end as well, and they all raise right up, and it's it's that moment. They still use it to this day. It's one of the greatest celebrations and one of the greatest moments in, in WrestleMania history, and that, I mean, it might not be the best match, but it's still up there as probably one. Uh, the top five for me to many moments. It's it's funny because you mentioned Piper there and Piper was actually in commentary for the the IC win versus Perfect. <laughs> it's funny how these sort of two of yeah. played and Piper was there for a lot of these moments and like like you say with WrestleMania ten, the the whole event is it's the good and the bad side of WWF at this time because they've decided months and months and months ago that they're going to have Brett and Owen having a feud. Mm-hmm. So what they do, it's a wee bit like the Marvel Universe, anyone that's a big Marvel Universe fan like me, that'll maybe, you could be watching a movie about Doctor Strange and it'll have an impact on the next Spider-Man movie because they're yeah. thinking three or four moves ahead. So like back in November, they have the Survivor Series with the Hart family versus what was meant to be Lawler's Knights. Obviously, Jerry Lawler's taken out and Sean's put in there and again, like you say, the match isn't the best, but Owen is the only one eliminated because he runs into Brett and he gets rolled up and he gets eliminated. Then he comes out and when the whole Hart family are celebrating, he yanks Brett down and starts having a go at him and there's tension there. So this is back in, what, November? And then mm-hmm. they make up and they become 
brothers, they go again, they, they go because of a tag team, they decide to go for the tag belts and then they lose the match to the Quebecers. I think does Brett not tag Owen or something like that? And um he should tag yeah. him but he decides to go for a pin or something like that and then Owen kicks his leg out from under him and, and turns heel and so so you've got the start of this story, but while Brett's like you say, he goes on to win the rumble match. So if you're watching that, you're sort of thinking, right, okay, so Brett's going to WrestleMania for the title, blah blah blah. And you're sort of forgetting that all this is going on in the background, this sort of second story, and Owen's building this up himself. And it's that it's one of the things that I love when WWF do it and wrestling do it in general, where they, they weave stories in and out of each other. So, mm-hmm. like I said earlier on, they've already got Brett's next opponent lined up. So they know what's happening at SummerSlam, they know what's happening at WrestleMania, and they're all the way back at Survivor Series here. They might not know the finer details, but they, they know yeah. where they're going. And again, it's one of the things that modern wrestling really needs to learn about. And that's sort of backwards booking. Going where you want to go. You don't even need to have the finish a lot of times. But if you've got a plan of what's happening and where you're going to go, then you book backwards from that. Mm-hmm. And like you say, it, it's, it's two stories. And the, the story starts at uh, Survivor Series. Continues both the stories at Rumble because Brett loses the tag match, but then goes on to jointly win the Rumble. And then we go to WrestleMania, he loses the first match, but then comes out with the belt. And then I'm right saying that Owen comes out right at the end and just sort of looks as they're celebrating. And sort of says, Yeah, that's like, right. The and that, that means, it yeah. That, um, no, it, it does, it, it says it on, that sort of makes the, the feud and it tells you what's coming up. I mean, Owen was the de facto number one contender after beating Brett that night, so that, that you knew it was going to happen. And then you've got the whole. King of the Ring uh, situations where we're own wins that, which just solidifies him even more uh, winning, um, and then that's what pushes him on. So, and you've got to hand it to to Vince and, and the backstage team at the time. That that was solid booking, and that's how to to build someone uh, really well. They did it the year before we Brett winning the King of the Ring. I, I, I don't even think Owen had to to win the King of the Ring. The win over Brett should have been enough, but you've got that whole King of Hearts gimmick and that. That just elevates them even more to, towards the main event status for SummerSlam. I think this was actually was a Bruce Hart's idea that he'd pencil him for himself. And Brett yes. sort of went, nah, I, I don't really like you. We've got Owen on the roster who yeah. is a perfect fit. And Owen was a perfect fit. He was he played that sort of little careless brother gimmick superbly well. And like you say, it's, it starts off WrestleMania on a downer. So now as a fan, if you're sitting there watching this, you go, oh, what the hell, Brett's just lost. How's that going to affect him going into the main match? And then he gets it done. He defeats Yokozuna, and I was never a... I, just, I know you, as a child, you're not really meant to like the heels, but I didn't like Yokozuna. As, you know, there's some bad guy who you want to see get smashed and stuff like that. I just didn't like Yokozuna. And I think probably now, looking back, it's because his matches were pretty rubbish. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot yeah. of things you do, or a 500-pound monster like that size. It's... Uh, he, he never really done it for me, but uh, the whole story think, is. Yeah, sorry. It's perfect. I don't know what, it's, it's almost perfect just to see the way they, they, they're weaving the stories in and out of each other. They've got the start, Brett loses the opener, like you say, clean, so there's no, oh, Owen cheated, or Owen hit him with this, or Owen has his feet on the ropes. It's just, he, he gets a quick one, he gets Brett, Brett goes on and wins the belt. And then at the end of the night, the last image you've got is now Brett and Owen are going to be fighting for the title, and you know this is coming. 
And it's, yeah, yeah. it's just as a fan, you're like, you hate for Mania. Mania's been brilliant, but now you've got this to look forward to. And whether you're a, a child fan, like, what was this, 94? So I would have been about 12, so still quite young. Whether you're a 12-year-old wanting to see Brett, yeah. or whether you've an adult fan like we are now, and if this was coming on to now, you'd be like, this is an absolute belter of a couple of feuds coming up. Uh, this, these matches are going to be absolutely off the scale. I, I mean, this whole 94 period, I mean, early doors, Undertaker's obviously taking six, seven months off just with injuries as well, so it's really on Brett and Owen to, to carry the whole the whole company over this time, and to be honest, this, it's one of the best times in wrestling going, you've got uh, Sean um, riding high, starting with Diesel on his side, they won the IC belts, the tag belts, so it's, it's, it's probably it's a really underrated time in, in wrestling, sort of from WrestleMania 10 right through to Survivor Series, it's a good Five six minutes, um, five six minutes, five six months worth of wrestling, and it's really underrated. I feel, and some of the work. I mean, King of the Ring '94 is yet again another underrated pay per view. You've got you've got Owen winning it, you've got Jim Neidhart making the return, and that that's a good thing about it as well. They involve him and how you've got the whole Hart family stuff starting to brew as well. But Neidhart makes two appearances that night at the King of the Ring '94. You've got him coming down in the title match. And helping, it doesn't really help Brett. He just sort of causes the DQ and allows Brett to retain the title. But um, and then you see the true, the true meaning. It's basically to try and make sure that Brett stays with the title so that Owen can take it. And you've got Nightheart and Owen are going to team up to help Owen win King of the Ring. And then you've got the whole, the whole family feud that will take place over the next couple of months. And it's just such good booking, and it's just such a good storyline. Right, I want to ask you a question now, right? There's three matches we've discussed so far, and Brett's whole different gear than all of them, right? The uh, SummerSlam match, he wore the black tights with a pink top. The WrestleMania 8 match, he wore all pink. And WrestleMania 10, he wore the pink bottoms with a black top. I think they're all classic look, but do you know what? What's your favourite? And do you know the one I hated the most? Because remember, I was talking about the the Royal Rumble mm-hmm. and it was it was a sort of geary dawn that looked to have his splash paint on it yeah it was it was I don't know what was going on there it was so strange I've seen some of this it was, it was posted on Twitter the other day and it was, they were actually talking about that ring gear and I don't know if it's he'd left stuff in the house or that he just got a mismatch of ring gear and put it all together but the one that Wrestlemania 8 and the, the all pink is kind of like the the iconic one for me. It's 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 different. He rarely ever done it, and it's and obviously with the it's a, the more image you, the more imagery you see with the blood all over him and stuff. I mean that that that's what stands out for me in the early days. I mean my personal favourite ones is he's sort of ninety seven with the, the when he was in the heel run, he had the sort of black mixed with the, the all black. Pink and, yeah, no, no, I the all black with a bit bit of pink fruit and stuff as well. So pink, pink that's pink. probably. Yeah, that was probably my, my favourite um, gear of his, but uh, the pink one stands out a lot. It's, it's strange for me because it's a bit like football kits where there's certain teams like, see Man United, like if Man United play, I always prefer them wearing black shorts with a red kit. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's like AC Milan as well, AC Milan, just the black shorts with the red and black top. I, I don't know why. But I always think Brett looks best when he's got the black bottoms on and the pink top. 
no yeah. idea why. It's just a personal preference. It's it's something that you got, and there's sometimes like we know. I think nowadays they do it a lot more, where they will maybe break out a new outfit for WrestleMania, and yeah. this is two two butch guys standing talking about what other guys are wearing when they're rolling about a ring together. So um, we won't talk about it for long, but no. I know certain people used to to wear certain. Outfits for like WrestleMania, I think. Did Rollins have a white outfit? Yeah, he or something? did Power, white Power Ranger one at SummerSlam 2015 uh, or something. Yeah. Aye, and then um, I know certain other people like CM Punk's broke out special tights before as well. I think he wore actual man ones and stuff like that. Um, Brett was probably one of the first to, because like he was, he was one of the first, I think, to really mix it up. I know Sean would go into a special, like different tights where they'd have the hearts different colour and then. Sean would eventually have the, the Heartbreak Kid boots, which I absolutely loved. I thought they were amazing, which was... Because at first he was wearing these mad white boots that just... It looked as if they were just pulled off the you know, Wrestler 101 out of the rack, but then he would, yep. he would break out these black boots with a wee heartbreak, uh, heartbreak on the side of them. But Brett, I think, was one of the first, because I'm trying to think who else would have mixed up their outfit, really. Because... Uh, maybe these are Ramon. Aye. Hogan wore the same all the time. I know there's like very early Hogan, I think, uh, where they wear like white tights or they wear yeah. light blue and stuff like that. But like as a as a as a big star, Hogan was always red and yellow. Um, Pro, Flair, yeah. of course, Flair would, Flair would mix them up. He would yeah, Savage as well. Yeah. Savage, Savage of three or four outfits a night. Was yeah. it WrestleMania five that he uh, four, 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 Brett had this sort of multi-match. He could, like you say, he could be all black, he could be all pink, he could be pink and black, he could be black and pink. Uh, Owen would do it as well. Owen would sort of invert his colours and stuff like that. But Brett, I think, had many, many looks that were just just wee tweaks, simple tweaks, and that's sometimes all you need. Uh, like you say, I think some of the classic ones would have been the the black. Was it black he wore out in Montreal? Was it yeah, all black that it was all black with a bit of pink and white through it, yeah. Right. Um, that's uh, that's my favourite. Right, but we we'll just call it there because well, I think if we go any further, we've we'll we'll three matches or three events in, and yep. then we've got another three to go. So we we we'll pause this here, and we'll come back and talk about the next three moments in Brett's career. Yeah, we week. can we can do that next week. And we can throw in some uh, moments that sh- maybe should have been on it but just missed out as well. So that's probably a good idea, Kev. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyable hour, mate. Uh, I, I love Bret Hart, perhaps not as much as you, but it's always good to, to go back and, as I say, I think the wrestling community can be quite negative at times. People sometimes get hung up on negativity. And I yeah. think Bret, the last, the last year or so, I think, I don't know if it's people have started talking more positively about Bret. It was strange. Very, very strange. Lex Luger's another one that people are now talking about more positively about. Yeah. Uh, that's not me saying that they're anything like workers. But, you know I mean? There's yeah. no comparison between yeah. the two, right? But there's certain people that Brett sort of got a bad rap for many years. We know sort of he fell out and he's been accused of being quite bitter. But the last year or so, I think we've seen a lot of love for Bret Hart. I know, yeah. is it Punk think he's the best ever... Um, the boys from the what do you call the tag team there used to be the revival uh, uh, FDR yeah, they're big fans FDR, Edge yeah. is 
Brett, Brett's one of that would have been some cool. That would have been a good series of matches, Edge versus Brett. Uh, yeah. But that, that's a topic for another day when we do some fantasy booking. But no, mate, it's, uh, it's been a good hour. Um, so thank you for, for joining us. Yeah, no problem. I mean, it's a, a game that just flies in. I mean, this, this can easily go. I mean, if we kept going, we could easily go three or four hours tonight. But obviously, we've got other priorities on the board as well. So it's just it's a great subject to talk about in general with Bret Hart and his career I mean it's so many good moments and we've only covered three of them and here we are we've took a, over a good hour now to, to discuss just three of those moments and we've got another couple of moments to come next week we'll, we'll go discuss some moments that, that should have made the list in fact we'll probably put out a couple of tweets or comments and, and see if there's any moments that you guys want and we can even discuss them if we get a, a good response to them as well so uh, no, thanks for joining us again on What a Manoeuvre. Um, we'll be back next week. Kev, thanks again. Thanks, mate. As you say, um, we'll be back next week to wrap this up. We'll have some moments that could have made a list for both of us. And uh, you stick us. We'll put the, the Twitter links in the, the description box for the pod and you can let us know what your favourite Bret Hart moments are. Right, and thanks very much, guys. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Bye. At Quite The Thing Media, we aim to bring you the best podcasts produced by independent creators, made without constraints.